So if you're at a fundraiser, an event with your child, or if you're at work, this is what you can say. At work, say what keeps you busy outside of your work. Okay, if you know, if, I'm, if, if you and I work at the same place and I'm going to a meeting and I sit next to you and or we're waiting for a presentation to begin, I know you work because you're there. You work there too. So I can say what keeps you busy outside of work. If I'm at an event for my child, if you're there as well, Geraldine, I will say, and I've never met you. I mean, maybe I know of you because I know your daughter is on my daughter's gymnastics team, whatever. I would say, so Geraldine, you know, I'm Deborah Fine. It's good to meet, you know, that's my daughter. And who's your daughter? Oh, that's your daughter. So Geraldine, what keeps you busy outside of, you know, driving your daughter out to all these gymnastics meets? So I use whatever, I call it free information. The free information I have about you, you have a daughter, you're at a gymnastics meet. And then I say, what keeps you busy outside of that? So if I meet you at a party, I might say to you, just something as simple as what keeps you busy besides parties like this? Because I'm not going to make a, I don't say to you, what do you do? I'm not saying you should never say, what do you do? When, when you're at a work setting and you work for the same company or you're at an educational conference, it's okay to say, what do you do? Because you know, what brings you here? It's about what kind of work you do. I'm not saying not to do it. I'm just saying you want to launch a better conversation than say to somebody, what keeps you busy outside of, you know, attending this social function with your husband? Uh, what keeps you busy uh, on a day-to-day level? You know, what do you enjoy doing? Any, you know, what do you do for fun? I might ask you if it, if it is a social setting. Um, if it's a work setting, I can also ask what do you do for fun because work isn't necessarily fun. So that, you know, that really is my favorite thing to do is to use the free information I have. Where, where are we? Are we running a 5K? Are we at the start line? What keeps you busy outside of running 5Ks? Um, are, we, are we at an educational program? In addition to attending educational conferences, what kinds of activities keep you busy, Geraldine? That's, ex- that's to me, the best way to start a conversation. You know, if I don't engage people in conversation, if I'm looking at my device, for instance, when I'm in the shopping, in the grocery, for good, I mean, you see this all the time, um, or at, at a restaurant, I, I know I'm, once again, sounding cliched, but we all know it's true. We see families sitting there and they're on their devices. So let's start at the top. No devices when we're dining, the period. I mean, if you're waiting for an emergency call from your, your child's dentist, okay, leave the phone on the table, and, but say why and don't look at it. Um, so number one, be a role model. Number two, engage your child in conversation. Tell me about your day. Here's a typical conversation with a child. And you tell me if I'm wrong, Gilding. Here's a typical conversation. My son, Jared, walks in the house. Jared, how was school? Good. How was football? Good. Do you have a lot of homework? Yep. Well, it's been great talking to you, Jared. I mean, that's a typical conversation with your kid when he or she walks in the door at the end of the day. Here's a better way. Hey, Jared, I'd like to spend a few minutes just talking to you and hearing about your day. So tell me, you know, what did you enjoy the most today? Nothing. Well, come on, Jared, let's, let's spend a minute thinking. What was one thing that you liked today? I mean, even if it was recess, what, was, what, what did you like and why did you like it? Or I might even say to Jared, Jared, tell me, I know you, you have history every day. So tell me, what did you learn in history class today? Well, we learned about World War I. So tell me some of the takeaways that you left with. I mean, have a real conversation with your child. Not how's your day good? How's yours good? What's going on? Nothing. That's, you know, we do that with adults and we do it with children. You have to really, what I call it in my books, dig in deeper um, with a child 
to let them know you really mean it. So, so if you say, how's school? And they say, good. Then you have to dig in deeper with another question to let them know you're genuine. You mean it. You want a real answer. So, you know, what was the most challenging part of your day? But I think with children, we have to show them also, as they, and everything is about being age appropriate, of course, when, when it's important to shake someone's hand and extend their hand to introduce themselves. How important it is to say, hi, I'm Marianne, it's good to meet you. I mean, we have to teach our children to properly introduce themselves to people and not wait to always be introduced so that when they're maybe, I'm guessing, 10 years old, they walk up to the teacher on the first day, walk into the classroom, extend their hand and say, hi, I'm Mary Ann, Mr. Jones, it's good to meet you. Now, wouldn't that be great to raise a confident child who can interact like that with a teacher or a coach? It's not the generation of parents today. I'm not picking on them in any way. I'm picking on all parents. I mean, and you really fall into these ruts where with your spouse, with your child, with everyone in your life, even your good friends, pretend you and I are good friends. Geraldine, how are you? And you say, great, how are you, Deborah? And I go, great, so what's new? Nothing, so what's new with you, Deborah? Nothing, so how are the kids, how's your daughter? Oh, she's great, and how, how are your kids, Deborah? Great, I mean, we are having a lousy conversation. You know why? Because including myself, we get so lazy, so lazy in conversation that we don't put an effort into responding to questions with what I call solid answers. And in my book, I talk, all my books actually, I talk about playing the conversation game. So if you and I are friends, Geraldine, when you say to me, how's your day? I should give you a real answer. Like, well, my day is good. I just got back from Europe, so I'm having a little jet lag. That gives you a real answer to the question, right? So if yes. I say, how's your daughter? If you have time to talk, if you don't have time to talk to me, Geraldine, if you're busy, you got to go. I say, how's your daughter? And you go, good. And then you race to the next whatever appointment you have to go to. That's fine. But if we're standing there waiting for a meeting to begin, and I say, so how's your daughter? Don't just say fine. Say something worthwhile. She's good. You know, this summer's been great because she's learning how to swim. And, and I don't know if that's true, Geraldine. I just made that up. <laughs> yes, no, but it makes so Samples. much sense because you give me an opportunity to then ask, as you said before, deeper questions. Exactly. And it gives people something to talk about with you. But let me throw that out with your kids, too. If my son or daughter says, so, mom, how are you? It's real easy to say, fine, how are you? However, I really try to make an effort because I want to connect with my children. They're adults. When my daughter says to me, mom, how are you or how have you been? I try to give her a real answer in a sentence. So if she said to me on the phone, she says, hi, mom, how are you? I'll probably say, well, I'm working on a proposal for a client and I've got, you know, I'm under a deadline. So I'm looking, I got to get it done after I'm done talking to you. Now she knows I'm working with a client on a proposal. So if she's interested in really hearing about me, she'll say, well, tell me about the proposal, mom. Give people something to talk about with you. How are you doing, Geraldine? Or how's your summer? Well, my summer's great. You know, I did some traveling. That's a good answer. Now I can say to you, so what kind of traveling did you do? How's your day? Oh, my day is great. You know, I got, I got to the gym this morning. Now you have something to talk with me about besides the business at hand, or just you find a way to cultivate a connection with me. It's too easy to just give one word answers and just the conversation just keeps going, but we don't get anywhere. I don't want to be an FBI agent. I don't want to say, so Geraldine, what do you do? And then you tell me what you do and then say, and where are you from? That's an, that is an interview. Stay on topic place. So that's number one, to be a good questioner. You're digging in deeper and you're staying on topic. Now, here's another way to start a conversation. Let's say I sit down next to you at an event. 
whether I know you as an acquaintance or I just met you, instead of asking a question, I might say, gosh, I'm really excited to hear this speaker that's coming up, this presentation, because there's a lot to do with um, the environment and I'm very interested in what she has to say. So I've started a conversation by using disclosure. I'm looking forward to the speaker. I'm excited to hear what she has to say. And I'm hoping that you, the person next to me, will say, so what have you heard about her? Or um, what got you interested in the environment? So you use self-disclosure to start conversations as well. Mm -hmm. If you sit down and go high and they go high and then you look back at your device, nothing is gonna get started. Or you're at work and around the conference table and I go, hi, how are you doing? You go, fine, how about you? And then we look down at our computers. Yes. That's the way to cultivate connections in the workplace. People don't realize, most people think other people are monopolizers. You know, oh, those loud people, they're such monopolizers. Oh, I think anyone's a monopolizer that number one doesn't listen. So by listening, for them not to have said to you some kind of acknowledgement, a verbal acknowledgement, wow, that's interesting, or you sound like you're excited about it, Geraldine. That's an acknowledgement, right? Or good for you, Geraldine, or, I mean, and let's say I'm not interested in it. Let's say I have no interest at all in what you just talked about. At least I need to show some verbal acknowledgement that I heard you instead of going, as much as I wanted to say, oh, guess what, Geraldine, I have kids too. I didn't do that because, see, I already know I have kids. You know, I don't, instead, what I don't know about is you, Geraldine, and I don't know about your daughter except for what you were willing to put up, which isn't much on your, on your website, which is pretty smart, by the way. But um, so people become monopolizers, number one, when they don't even acknowledge that they're listening to let you know you've been heard. And number, because even if I don't want to hear more about your topic, at least I should acknowledge it. And number two, they definitely become monopolizers when they talk about themselves for more than three to four, five minutes. And so like, let's pretend I talk to you about my vacation I limited it to a couple sentences on purpose so that I could throw the ball back to you. Because otherwise I'd become a monopolizer if I tell you all the details. And you even said, well, it's, I bet it was hot. So I acknowledged that I heard you. I said, yes, it was. We're used to that. You know, we go every, every year at that time. And then I stopped. I could have told you all the details about how awful it was, how it was so hot there that it was hard to do this and that. But I didn't because I want to have that conversation ball go back and forth. And that's the other thing we need to do with our children. I mean, to go back with your question about my book, Beyond Texting, the one for teenagers, you know, we need to make sure we don't become the interviewer of our children, that we let them talk. Because what happens often with children is we try to solve their problems. So I say, so tell me about your day, honey. Well, mom, it was, um, it was okay, but, you know, I, I got this uh, project back and I, as, I didn't do as well on the project as I expected. So this is how me, the mom, responds. Well, next time, just work harder, honey. Or next time, just figure out what the teacher wants and do a better job. That's a terrible way to respond to my child. I'm offering unsolicited advice to my child. Did you hear my child ask for my help? I didn't hear her ask for help. I didn't hear her say, I didn't do well on the project and I, and I, would have, I expected to do better. Mom, what do you think I could do better to get a better grade? I didn't hear her say that, Geraldine. What I heard her say was, she vented her frustration. What I should say to her is, wow, that sounds tough. Or you know, is there anything I can do to help you? Or, well, tell me more, like, um, what did you feel good about the project? Now looking back, is there anything you would have changed? Have a real conversation with your child so that they learn how to do the same. Before I ever came up with this company or the idea to offer these skills in a cohesive fashion and to be a teacher of others, 
I was newly single. I mentioned earlier that I, I was divorced and I did have little kids. And um, I went out for the first time with a girlfriend. The first time I'd gone out as sort of a single, I don't know how else to describe it, where I just wanted to meet other people. Um, my girlfriend took me to a singles uh, party where there was music and food. And um, I noticed this handsome man across the way and I, I felt like he had looked at me. And I said to my girlfriend, Audrey, Audrey, do you see that fellow over there? I, he looked at me, I sure hope he comes over. And about 20 minutes later, he had not come over and the music stopped and they were out of food and the evening was just about over. And I said to Audrey, oh, too bad. I guess he's not coming over. And Audrey said, Deborah, why don't you go over and say hello to him? I said, I would never do that, never. First of all, women don't approach men. That's number one. Number two, what in the world would I say to him? I, so forget it. And she said, just make yourself go over there. Make yourself. What have you got to lose? You know, he doesn't know you have children, so he certainly can't harm them. We're in a perfectly safe place. Just go over and say hello to him. See, see what comes of it. I'm telling you, Geraldine, I think I had to lift each thigh with my arm straight because I, I, I was so nervous. And I walked up to him. And I honestly did not know what to say. And all I said was, hi, my name is. And I just saw you were here and I wanted to meet you and say hello. I mean, that's the best I could do. And you know what? You'd be surprised in this life. People decide before you open your mouth whether they're willing to talk to you or not. It's not based on your icebreaker. We've all decided before you, Geraldine, if you approach me at a party, I will decide before you open your mouth whether I'm willing to talk to you, whether I have the time to talk with you, whether I'm interested in talking to you. And that's exactly what happened that night. He was such a gentleman. He said to me, well, I'm delighted to meet you. I'm Rex, whatever his last name was, and here, have a seat. And we talked for a few minutes and he, we, we, I mean, I know this sounds preposterous, but we, we did date. Uh, we ultimately became friends and no, I did not marry him. I am remarried. I married someone else. <laughs> we didn't date that long. We became friends and uh, he was a wonderful gentleman. And I, I learned, this is what I learned about him. He had been a teacher and educator. He'd moved out to the western part of the United States where I live, and he'd become um, a builder and a developer, and he designed and built homes, and he sold them in the, in the Rocky Mountains in the West, and beautiful homes, and he did this all by himself, so he was a very capable, well-educated man. And I said to him, finally, well, why didn't you walk up to me? And you know, Geraldine, what I, well, the reason I thought he didn't walk up to me was because I was too tall or not pretty enough or too overweight or needed to lose five more, you know, whatever. You know, I, you always have a list of why people don't say hello to you. And he said, no, no, no. The reason I didn't walk up to you is because I'm too shy. I, I never know what to say to women. I just wow. nervous. This capable, well-educated man who I thought was very handsome did not walk up to me because he was too shy. Now let's examine that because that's what we're all doing in our life. And we have to teach our children the same thing. Make a friend at school. Make a friend, be a good listener. Maybe we'll create less strife and less divisiveness and less violence if, if people had more friends and weren't so isolated. But they, our children have to be the ones to say, hi, you know, do you like this teacher? Be friendly. And if I hadn't walked up to Rex, Rex became a very good friend. He built a playground for my children. I could just go on and on and on. And I'm very sad to say that Rex died in a car accident. So let me ask all your listeners, what's riskier? Starting a conversation with someone 
or driving a car or being in traffic or getting on a plane. Oh, I think it's far riskier to be in an airplane or riding a car than it is to walk up to a stranger in a safe place. So if that doesn't encourage everyone listening, whatever it is that you're faced with, the loneliness of a divorce, the the sadness of um, maybe your children going off to university or, or being an empty nester, the being at the new person on the job or being a leader and feeling isolated. It's up to you to connect with other people. It is not up to other people to connect with you. It is up to us to take the risk and cultivate those connections.